You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Bellotto, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. And we are here today, Chris, to preview the Christmas game between the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday midday at 4.30. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing well, and, you know, I suppose an, an early Merry Christmas to everyone, and, you know, Monday midday football does seem kind of weird to say, you know, I suppose it'll be starting to get dark Monday, almost night football. I don't know. Weird things happen in the link. So if this kind of fits. It does. I kind of wish Kyle Rudolph was still on the team and he would score a touchdown so (laughs) we could hear everyone say Rudolph scores on Christmas and all of the corny jokes that I just made right here on this podcast but let's dive into some of the information surrounding this new york giants matchup with the philadelphia eagles we know in recent memory i hate to say this is a giants podcast let's be objective the philadelphia eagles have controlled the new york giants the new york giants haven't won a game at the link since 2013 when matt barkley was the eagles starting quarterback i think it was like a 15 to 9 game i remember that game too and they've had a lot of close calls a couple overtimes a drop pass by evan ingram which was absolutely devastating but in recent memory the eagles have dominated the new york giants and right now the eagles need this game look they're 10 and 4. they just lost what i think three in a row now if i'm not mistaken right they lost three in a row yep. dropped the one to the cowboys lost last week on monday night football to the Seattle Seahawks and the Giants. They had all the momentum winning three games in a row before getting all of that just squashed out by the New Orleans <laughs> Saints who play on Thursday night football this week. But I kind of would love and I know the draft, you know, you got to keep that in mind. And, I, and I'm not saying that I actually want this to happen. But, dude, I, I would love for the Giants to play spoilers against the Philadelphia Eagles. You know what? No, I would absolutely love that because it would be a little bit of a Christmas treat to actually defeat a team that I despise in the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles in their stadium when they desperately need this game. Yeah, the the Eagles do appear vulnerable right now. You know, I would say of the two teams, the Giants are the healthier team. The Eagles are skidding right now. Now, granted, the three teams they lost to are teams that beat the Giants. I believe it was 143 to 32 combined score between the Cowboys, the San Francisco 49ers and the Seahawks. So it's not like they're losing to bad teams. They're losing to playoff caliber teams, but they are hurting. We're, they're missing their two starting guards, at least potentially both starting guards, definitely Landon Dickerson. They've got injuries in their defensive secondary, and the Giants are almost healthy with the exception of the quarterback position. So the opportunity could be there for an upset win on the road against a division rival, but it's also very much an uphill battle. 
it's an uphill battle. And we saw what happened last year when the Giants played the Eagles in the divisional round. We'll get into that in a little bit. But the Eagles just had their way and did whatever they wanted on offense against Wink Martindale and the Giants defense. But before we get into some of the matchups on offense and defense, let's start with a little bit of injury updates. Look, Gary Brightwell running back. Matt Parrott, offensive tackle. Brightwell with the hamstring, Parrott with the shoulder. They returned to practice, and the Giants opened their 21-day window for return from IR. Brightwell could be an upgrade on a special teams unit that is rightfully much maligned this year. And then Parrott, look, Tyree Phillips is, in my opinion, even though he has not played well recently, a better tackle option than Parrott. So Parrott would be probably just a big offensive lineman and might rotate with Glowinski. Maybe he'll get a shot to usurp uh, Tyree Phillips. But... Evan Neal is the main name I want to bring up, Chris. We still haven't seen him on the field. How are the Giants going to handle this Evan Neal situation? If we don't see him for the rest of the season, do you think Joe Shane is going to be comfortable going into next season with Evan Neal penciled in at right tackle? Or if a certain player falls in the draft to them, they will draft said player and then they'll just figure out the Evan Neal situation in training camp. Yeah, I am honestly not sure. And I think this is this is a case where yeah, the the Giants have more information, better information than we do, because they at least have been able to see him in practice prior to, you know, him his latest ankle injury. The question I have is, do we even really know what or who Evan Neal is at offensive tackle right now? Because He's basically been playing with an ankle injury since, what, week five, week seven, something like that. So I, I have to wonder, and I would love to be able to find out just how many of the issues that he has gotten dinged for and gotten a lot of criticism for are related to just being hurt and playing hurt. You know, it's... That, I think, is one of the biggest questions. Not the biggest, but one of the biggest questions facing the Giants in the offseason is just, like you said, can they pencil Evan Neal in at right tackle? You know, we have seen Joe Shane before a couple times basically say, hey, we are confident in the players on our roster. And if an upgrade falls to us in the draft or becomes available in free agency, we will pursue all avenues to improve this team. But if they don't, we're confident in our guys. Uh, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if the Giants give Evan Neal a third year. Like, you know, you've just, that's kind of the, the axiom. You, you don't judge a draft prospect or a draftee until after their third season because development isn't linear. It takes these guys time to acclimate to the NFL and not everybody is a hit right away. You know, sometimes you need patience, but also if a good offensive tackle becomes available, either in free agency or in the draft, I could see the giants making a move. And like you say, just figuring out the Evan Neal situation later, you know, maybe he winds up moving over to one of the guard positions and then some combination of Ben Brennison, Marcus McKethan and Josh Azudu figure out the other guard position you know we'll just have to wait and see on that but i know this team really needs to see evan neal on the field before the end of the year just so they have some clue as to what they're working with 
Absolutely. And we also have other special teams update. Randy Bullock, kicker who replaced Graham Goodneau, who was on IR, may also land on the IR with a hamstring injury that he suffered in the game last week against the Saints after kicking off after he booted like a 56-yard field goal. So that means, I'm imagining at least, we should see Katie York kick for the rest of the season since Katie York has been chilling on the Giants practice squad. Although, Chris... Chris would be happy if we saw Jamie Gillen <laughs> just hold both of the hats. Yeah, I, there's no way that would happen, but that that would be fun just for the storyline of it all. Just this the Scottish Hammer punter just coming out and handling everything. Of course, if he gets hurt, then you're then you're really in trouble. But yeah, I, I don't expect that. I expect to see Cade York. You know, I. I would be stunned if the Giants basically got cute trying to preserve two roster spots by having their punter also be their place kicker. Yeah, they're kind of playing with house money. They they have like a 0.4% chance of making the playoffs at this point. They would need to win out and have some other things happen in their favor. But if they do decide to activate Gary Brightwell and Matt Peart, they're going to have to make some roster moves i would expect randy bullock to land on the ir just to open up one spot of course they would also have to use that spot for Cade york if they elevate him so it's it it's going to be interesting but i also don't think it's it's going to be one of those things where their season will hinge upon it Let's move on a little bit to this Eagles offense. So we saw in that divisional round, like we said before, the Eagles just do whatever they wanted, but they primarily focused on just attacking the second level. They opened the game with that deep pass along the sidelines to Devonta Smith. We also saw in the, what was it, week 14 matchup, the fourth and what was it, seven, that Julian Love mistimed the interception and ended up going for a touchdown to Devonta Smith. But it wasn't like the Eagles were just throwing it all over the yard against the Giants. They had a couple explosive plays, yes, but they weren't just heaving it all across the yard. It was primarily just short, quick passes off of the RPO, the zone read run game, and everything was designed to attack Jalen Smith and the linebackers. It was just, let's manipulate the crap out of whoever's at the second level. And then some of the safeties factored into that too. And the Giants couldn't do anything to stop it. It was like really frustrating to go through the divisional round film afterwards and just see the Eagles having fun with the Giants because our linebackers never knew where to be. But we know the linebacking position is a lot different now. The Eagles, they create extra gaps by having a a running quarterback like Jalen uh, hurts. But I'll say this, man, with the addition of Bobby Okereke, with the development of Micah McFadden, do you think maybe the Giants will be able to slow that game plan down enough to force the Eagles to maybe try and create more explosive plays, which could lead to some mistakes and some turnovers, and then the Giants won't look so pathetic on defense? Yeah, I think that very well could happen. Yeah, I'm... I think the Eagles are going to come out and play pissed, because yeah, just the way they're they're at home and just the way the last few games have gone for them, they know they need to get healthy. And that could see them be overly aggressive. And the added athleticism the Giants have at the second level, like it, it just the way the season has gone, it hasn't gotten 
I think, the amount of discussion it really deserves. But like you said, the addition of Bobby O'Karake, the, the addition of Isaiah Simmons, the development of Michael McFadden, Giants fans, the linebacker position is not a problem anymore. We did it. The Beezer Brigade did it. The Giants have good linebackers now. So, yes, I do time. think, yeah, it, it only took 20 years. Uh, actually, eh, yeah, about 20 years. So I don't know that the Eagles will be able to attack the linebacker position, the second level, with impunity this time. The problem with that is they have they still have really good wide receivers. They still have skill position players who can attack anywhere on the field and and a, a good running quarterback. And the Giants have had quite a few missed tackles on the season. They are two, three, four, five. About sixth or seventh in missed tackles this year. Seventh. It's They've got 97 missed tackles. That's quite a lot. And if the Giants play undisciplined, if they let you know, the their own frustrations get the better of them, or if Wink Martindale has them playing hyper-aggressive, attacking and a hurting Eagles offensive line, we could see them taking advantage of that and just being the Giants being out of position. Although it probably won't be quite as devastating just because they've got the speed to recover. <laughs> Which is, you know, I'm very thankful for the fact that they have that speed, right? But the um, Eagles offensive line is something that I think we should touch on. Look, the Eagles offensive line, they've been dominant for so long now. Jason Kelsey is one of the best centers in the league, but he's not going to have Landon Dickerson next. So Landon Dickerson is a, is a, I would say a quality guard in the NFL. And he just recently had thumb surgery after the Seahawks game, which you would imagine Cam Jurgens would slide into that spot. But Cam Jurgens also mispracticed with a pectoral injury. So I'm wondering how exactly are the Eagles going to address the issues that they have up front? And can Dexter Lawrence and the Giants front five, front seven, when Wink does decide to bring the pressure, can they Use some twists. Can they send extra guys? Can they waste blockers to get after Jalen Hurts and force that possible deep passing attack to have some problems? Could they? I, I think they absolutely will, or at least they will attempt to. You know, we really could see an Eagles offensive line that is Jordan Mailata, Tyler Steen. I believe he was a rookie out of Alabama, third round pick. Then Jason Kelsey. Then Sua Opeda, another young guard, and then Lane Johnson. So the Eagles are still pretty well set at offensive tackle and center. And yeah, Kelsey is one of the best centers in the NFL still. Like I I remember about six years ago, people wondering if he was going to retire soon, and he just keeps going. And a lot of it is just his football IQ and his technique that allow him to punch above his weight class and just play even though he's approximately a million years old in football years but he's a million years old <laughs> yeah <laughs> and yeah but having two inexperienced guards or an inexperienced guard and a not 100 guard next to him that is a huge opportunity for the giants like i fully expect and we talked about this before we started recording fully expect to see Micah McFadden and maybe Jason Pinnock basically running wind sprints 
into the Eagles' backfield. They're going to be blitzing so much and attacking those interior gaps. Like, Dexter Lawrence is going to be busy, and there's going to be somebody, as you said, right on his big rear end following him into the backfield almost every single play. And we really could see the Eagles kind of not have the opportunity to attack deep or using a lot of half-field real half field reads, bootleg rollouts, that sort of thing to try to get away from the pass rush and create some space for Jalen Hurts. And who is Jalen Hurts going to be looking at down the field? We all know A.J. Brown. We all know Devonta Smith. It's arguably the best tandem in the National Football League, although the Bengals, when they're healthy, and a couple other teams will have something to say about that. But Dallas Goddard has also returned, and we saw him used early against the Seahawks, maybe not as much later in the game. And we know what kind of problems he has posed for the New York Giants in recent memory. I believe he's the one who beat Xavier McKinney in the early in the divisional round for a touchdown. And I'm just scared, man, after seeing what Derek Carr did against the Giants down in New Orleans. Are the Giants going to be able to figure out a way to slow down these guys? Because they are, when they're clicking, and they're not clicking right now, but they always seem to be clicking against the Giants. But when they are clicking, Chris, it's a, it's one heck of a job to assume as a defense to try to take on these guys, especially with their rushing attack, DeAndre Swift, Kenneth Gainwell, and then, of course, Jalen Hurts using his legs. Yeah, that, that is kind of what we were talking about before. Like, yes, the Giants linebackers could force the Eagles to alter their game plan, but they have options out there. They've got a great route runner in Devonta Smith. They've got one of the best X receivers or just wide receivers in general in A.J. Brown. And then, like I said, Dallas Goddard. I mean, we saw, we saw Jimmy Graham out there kind of doing almost whatever he wanted against the Giants defense. And yeah, I I think the Eagles are they are at least familiar with what the Giants want to do on defense. They've got plenty of tape to look at. There's a counter for every scheme and even if they can't run their preferred offense due to Giants defensive improvements and their own injuries, they've got options out there. They've got counter punches they can throw. The trick, I think, to this game and the key to this game for the Giants will be, can they disrupt the, the Eagles' backfield enough to disrupt their offense as a whole? And I think that's just all it's going to come down to. Alrighty, before we get into the the defense of the Eagles. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Chris, the Eagles defense, we have to start with who the hell is their defensive coordinator right now? They have a weird situation. It's Sean Desai, the young coach who has been around the NFL, has a lot of respect around the NFL. He is the defensive coordinator in name. He has been the defensive coordinator up until last week, even though he still has the title last week against the Seahawks, it was Matt Patricia who was calling the plays on the sidelines and Desai was assigned to another role. And it just seems like one of those awkward situations. Maybe Nick Sirianni felt like he was forced to do this after the Eagles defense were really dreadful against the Cowboys and the 49ers surrendering, I think, over 30 points in both of those games. Now it's Matt Patricia calling the plays. A lot of Eagles defenders and even I think Jason Kelsey spoke up about the respect that they have for Desai. So it's not like everybody hates this guy, but there is definitely some fishy and awkward things going on there. And now Matt Patricia, who seemed like the NFL villain for a while, is the play caller there for the Philadelphia Eagles. What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, th- it, it's weird. Like it's this isn't the type of thing you expect to see from a team that's definitely going to the playoffs and has spent a lot of year a lot of the year as one of the two teams most favored to to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl like this is the kind of drama or I, yeah yeah drama is probably the best word for it that you'd expect to see from a team that's like in the Giants position and we did see or hear rumblings to that effect between Wink Martindale and Brian Dayball. But then the Giants went on a nice little winning streak, and you know, that seemed to cure all the ills. And I think th- there is some frustrations. You know, the Eagles' defense has not played as well as expected, and they really haven't played up to their talent level. Like They have one of the deepest and most talented defenses in the NFL, but they just haven't played like it. They've, they've been better than the giants, but not by much. You know, they aren't getting the sacks you would expect from a team that has Hassan Reddick, Josh sweat, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox is still there. Like you just go down their defensive depth chart and it is very, very impressive but they just aren't getting the results. And I think that could, that really has led to frustrations and friction and ultimately to this kind of weird situation. And, you know, we'll have to see if the change to over to Matt Patricia, who is, he has always been a good defensive coach and he is a very, very smart coach. So we'll a just rocket have scientist, isn't he? Literally. <laughs> yeah, he's a rocket scientist like like Josh Dobbs is. It's just uh, don't ask him to call offensive plays. But maybe maybe it wasn't his fault because Bill O'Brien hasn't done much better this year up in that, New England. 
Yeah, that that's true. Like it, you, you can only do so much with Mac Jones, it seems, or Bailey Zappi, or whatever, whatever New England has on offense. But you know, he does get another week to work with this defense, and maybe that will result in them understanding. I I don't expect their scheme to change any, but maybe just the game plans to change and the the players to get more comfortable. Yeah, that said, just the amount of talent and the type of defense the Eagles have, unfortunately, matches up pretty well against the Giants, particularly in that front seven. Yeah, the front seven is is very scary. I mean, Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick, both of their edge rushers, have 60 pressures each. Hassan Reddick has, I think, 11 and a half sacks. Josh Sweat has six, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going by PFF numbers, and they don't count half sacks, so it's a little annoying. Jalen Carter has 42 pressures from the interior as a rookie. I can't believe the NFL allowed this kid to fall to them. He has five sacks. Fletcher Cox, 39 pressures, five and a half sacks. This is a stud unit, and I haven't even brought up Jordan Davis, Milton Williams, who is a freak athlete on the defensive line, the savvy veteran Brandon Graham. All of those players are still productive. Nolan Smith, he only has six pressures on the year and a sack, ended up getting hurt. But if he was on the Giants, he would probably be starting opposite of Kayvon Thibodeau, right? Like, So this is the type of front that the Giants are going to be going up against. Howie Roseman knows you have to pour assets into the defensive line. You have to find edge rushers. You have to rush the passer. And they have done such a good job. I mean, last year, it's kind of crazy because they've regressed so much, but they were regressing from Mount Everest. I mean, they had 70 sacks last year. They were two sacks away from tying, what was it, the 1985 Chicago Bears. I think that's uh, I think that's who has the sack record right now. I think they only have like 39 sacks, which seems bad. But then you look at the Giants. Giants only have 24. And then when you look at the pressure percentage and how much the Eagles are winning up front, like their pass rush win rate, they're in the top 10. They're sixth in the NFL. Like this is a team that can get after the passer. And what does Tommy DeVito do? Probably worse than we than uh, than most quarterbacks in the league right now. He holds on to the football. So this could be a this could spell, man, a, a very bad situation for the Giants if if the Giants offense looks anything like they did against New Orleans. Yeah, and I think it starts up right up front there with Jalen Carter. It, uh, I'm with you. I have no clue how the NFL allowed him, or honestly, Nolan Smith for that matter. Like Smith did play against the Seahawks. Like he is he isn't on their injury report that I'm able to find. I just saw him walk off the field with like a stinger, remember, like in the oh, third quarter. Right, right. But I don't think he's on the injury report either. And I don't think no, he plays he's that not much either. Question. No, he, he only has I think, 113 100, snaps. Yeah, he's only played 12% of their defensive snaps. And like you said, he's a guy that would probably be starting for the Giants. Like he ran what, a 4-4 or a 4-3-40 and was disappointed with that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And, but... With Jalen Carter, like he was probably a top three talent in the previous draft. Now, yes, he had tons of off-field issues. You know, there was a warrant out for his arrest with in relation to, you know, a street racing death. Yeah, that that is going to put any team, you know, kind of that is going to give any team pause in drafting any player. And yeah, he had a bad pro day, but the proof was in the tape. And right now he looks like he looked 
back in Georgia when he was obviously the best player on obviously the best defense in college football for two years straight. And that could be a big problem for the Giants' interior offensive line, which certainly has its own problems. To say the least. And now I want to transition a little bit to the linebacker and then the secondary. And that's where we're going to get really interesting conversation now. Yes. Nicholas Morrow has been playing their, I guess, lead linebacker role because Zach Cunningham has been beat up and they got rid of TJ Edwards. So their, their linebacking situation has been a little erratic. Nicobe Dean is on the injured reserve. Nicholas Morrow, from the film that I've seen, has looked pretty damn good out there. Zach Cunningham, we know that he's wildly long, athletic. I believe he was on the Titans last season in week one when the Giants, because I, I remember Saquon Barkley just making him look terrible in that game. But I don't I don't think he's a bad linebacker from everything that I've seen. But this their their linebackers for the Philadelphia Eagles have been neglected in terms of resources for a while by Howie Roseman, but they find smart guys who know where to be, when to be there, and guys who aren't liabilities. And I think that's probably the accurate way to describe this linebacker group. Yeah. Nicobe Dean, another Georgia Bulldog who is wildly athletic. I think they do miss him back there. But Morrow, like you said, he is smart. He knows where to be. And it does help that they have that defensive line in front of them of to course. protect. Mm -hmm. the, the guy I'm curious about, and I, I have really almost no idea how it's going to work out, is Shaq Leonard, who signed with the Eagles after being waived by the Indianapolis Colts, surprisingly. You know, I think a lot of Giants fans hoped he would land in New York and make a good linebacking core even better, but he hasn't really lived up to the hype in Philly yet. Now that could change as he continues to get more comfortable in their defense, learns the language, learns the system. And yeah, you know, I, I think they're kind of hoping he will find his footing as they go down this home stretch and get ready for their playoffs. Shaq Leonard has played 42 snaps with the Eagles. He's only been there for two games now. He has four tackles. This is a 28-year-old who was a three-time All-Pro with the Indianapolis Colts playing next to Bobby Okereke. And with the Colts, I think he was disappointed in the snaps that he was receiving and his role in the Colts' defense. So they parted ways. He got waived. The Eagles obviously claimed him. He's still only 28 years old, man. This is a good athlete. It could work out for them. It really could. I think it's a really smart move by Howie Roseman, but it still remains to be seen how he's going to gel in this in this defense led by Sean Desai or Matt Patricia stems from Jonathan Gannon. There's a lot going on with that, as we already discussed. So it's definitely a name to monitor. But then you have the secondary, bro. This secondary, they have three good safeties. I'll give them that. I, I have a lot of respect for Reed Blankenship. I have a lot of respect for Kevin Byard, who they traded for this season. Of course, they traded for him. And then Sidney Brown is a, is a fun rookie. But James Bradbury... It's not the James Bradbury from the 2020 season. Darius Slay had his knee scoped. And now you're looking at Keely Ringo, who's an excellent athlete, a physical guy, but susceptible to getting beat. You got Eli Ricks, another young player out there. So what are your thoughts on this secondary? Because this is definitely an area that the Giants can attack, and I think attack successfully if their protection can hold up against the, the pass rush. Yeah, and I think that is that is it exactly. Like, can the Giants' protection hold up? Because we saw last year Isaiah Hodgins 
he burned James Bradbury a few times. Yeah, the opportunities were there for the Giants to take strikes down the field, but they didn't for a few reasons. You know, the structure of the offense and also just the pressure the Eagles were able to generate, you know, up front. The, the time just wasn't there. Now, you insert a rookie cornerback, and Giants fans know, rookie corners, they can be impressive. They can make great plays. They can also get burned. So, yes, that is absolutely an opportunity. Also, you talk about the safeties the Eagles have. They play a lot of three safety looks. But that is an opportunity for the Giants to potentially get Wandale Robinson or Darren Waller matched up on a safety, which that's a win for them. And that could be an opportunity to get the ball out quickly and kind of blunt this pass rush, just not give it time to get home against Tommy DeVito. Of course, DeVito would have to get the ball out quickly. And I think that's something the Giants are going to have to decide right now, you know, while they are game planning. Now, are they going to attempt to take those deep shots to force the Eagles to defend the whole field and, you know, really try to make them pay for disrespecting the Giants receivers and try to take advantage of the one-on-one opportunities we know are going to be there with Darius Slayton and Jalen Hyatt and also probably Isaiah Hodgins? Or are they just going to play it safe and try to keep that defensive front and off of Tommy DeVito, protect the offensive line as much as possible. Like it, it is a very difficult proposition for a game plan. And just from a coaching perspective, it is man. And I'm excited to see how the giants handle it. I mean, this season it's look, I think the giants have had some solid game plans. It's just execution has been off, but this coaching staff in game has certainly made a lot of errors as we saw throughout the beginning of the season. But Chris, do you have anything else before we get out of here? Yeah. You know, I, I do think that there, there is an opportunity there for the giants to have an upset win on the road. like right now, as we record, the Eagles are favored by 12 points and that is certainly justified. I don't expect this game to be quite as ugly as the spread. You know, it could be. This is one where it could get away from the Giants. I think if Philly is able to play a clean game, you know, not make mistakes, not have turnovers, and just get an early lead, I think it has a chance to snowball. However, this is another game where the Giants opponents are hurting both you know record wise they're on a skid and they're also missing multiple starters at important positions good players at important positions so that i think does help to close the talent gap and if the other team presses they there's a very good chance that they will make mistakes and that will give the giants an opportunity to capitalize like there are opportunities against this Eagles defense like particularly that linebacking core and the potential young secondary they've got like they could get Darren Waller matched up against Shaq Leonard who might be out of position as good as he is if he isn't fluent in the defense yet they could get 
uh, Saquon Barkley matched up on the rookie Sidney Brown, who, yeah, I really liked him coming out of Illinois. He plays hard, but there are times he plays too hard and is right on the razor's edge of getting penalized and hurting his own team or just pulling his own self out of position. And with Saquon Barkley, that's kind of what you're hoping for, that he, that the other player will be out of position, giving Barkley daylight, and he can do what he does. So the opportunities could be there. But like we said at the top, this is, uh, this, I don't think this is a game you could count on winning. Alrighty, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Chris and Nick show here on Big Blue View Radio. Please, if you have not done so already, like, subscribe, comment on the podcast, and then head on over to BigBlueView.com where you can check out all of our lovely written content. Thank you, everyone, and have a lovely day.